The separateness of being human. Picture nature. It could be the bush, maybe it's a wetland, perhaps. The magnificence of a Californian redwood forest or a stand of eucalyptus regnans. Maybe it's the coast, waves rhythmically crashing onto rocks before sliding back. Maybe it's underwater, a coral reef somewhere. It could be the desert, wind picking up the dust of a sun-dried land. Wherever it is, these natural spaces obey the rhythms and cycles of ecosystems. Overhead, clouds form, composed of water which evaporated in the heat of the day only to precipitate when temperatures decreased, because warm air can hold a much greater percentage of water than can the cold. When this rain falls, if it is light enough, it can penetrate soils and trickle down into filtrated groundwater deep beneath our, beneath our feet. This groundwater eventually joins up with a stream, a small artery of a large a larger river where this water runs out into the oceans, fresh water joining salt. The gradient of different temperatures above the water in our oceans and that on land generates local and coastal winds which works and reshapes coastal dunes or bends a tree as it braces itself against periodic gusts. Water is slower to cool and slower to heat up than dry earth so there will always be this gradient in temperature. The winds will forever visit this place. On land and on the surface of our oceans, our primary producers photosynthesize the incoming sunlight, converting it into an abundance of food. These represent the first link in a web of producers and consumers encompassing herbivores, carnivores, omnivores, and decomposers, with every single nutrient pulled out and recycled in complex and overlapping ways. Entropy operates within this continuously recycled system of macro and micronutrients, so it's a good thing we have a constant energy source in the shape of our sun. Waste is filtrated, absorbed and reabsorbed by a different link in the chain who can properly appreciate its value. Below ground, symbiotic relationships between networks of mycelium and plant roots generate and transmit nutrients, water and hormonal messages. These natural systems are deeply interconnected and every representative of the planet, animal, of the plant, animal and fungi world instinctively plays their part in the propagation of conditions which keeps this world of the biosphere functioning. Don't get me wrong. Humans also live in interconnected systems. Our roads and public transport networks give us a path between where we live and where we work. Our food systems connect globally. Fruit grown in one part of the world can travel through time and space to end up being consumed one later on on the other side of the world. Our money flows internationally too, or pinned to the US dollar converting from one currency to the next to enable any individual anywhere in the world to be able to financially operate in any society they may choose to visit. Our planes and ships enable us to physically leave anywhere and end up anywhere else in the world. The internet and a whole host of other telecommunicational technology does the same thing for our ideas, our media, our entertainment and our games. But these human systems lack the elegant recycling mechanisms enjoyed by the natural world. The things we produce have a typical one-use lifespan and they're constitu their constitutive nutrients, far from being pulled out and re-enjoyed by some other different organism, a simple pollution. And this pollution we bury, throw into the ocean or pump into the atmosphere where they reside, building up. 
There is hidden exploitation built into how these materials were built in the first place, both of people and of environments. Ecosystems become re-termed as virgin resources, and those indigenous to it are desettled or end up working in cities as part of these supply chains for rates well below a living wage. For the truth is, we humans have an economy, but nature has a metabolism, developed iteratively over millions and billions of years through endless cycles of trial and error. We, in our hubris, believe that we can rewrite all of the natural laws in the single blink of an eye, representing the time that we as a species have existed on this planet. And we can and have changed the way things work here, but destruction is easy. Any war shows that. A young man is born into a community to parents with siblings, spends years developing skills and relationships, deciding on his values, applying his resources into educating himself, building his identity. And then in one moment, his life can be ended by a stray bullet in the midst of armed conflict. The resources poured into building a life slowly over years, overwhelm the effort and materials needed to end that life. And so we find with the earth. Picture a house. It has its connections, sure. It's connected to the municipal water supply, the sewage systems, gas and electricity, but it is also so apart. Its walls and roof defend its occupants from the weather conditions outside, barricade them from the rest of society or whoever might dare to enter this place and steal its treasures. There is something both stronger and wholly intangible protecting this place too. Laws of ownership and insurance safeguard the home as a concept, no matter what physical or mechanical damage is done to it or whomever may invade it. This house, protected by all of the legal mechanisms of this place, are backed by the might of the local police force, will continue to be owned by its legal owner and will be restored to some semblance of its original state. For the owner of this place, it's great. Their assets are protected and their continued shelter necessary for their physical survival is insured, even if that comes at the cost of a lifetime wage slaving. But when seen through a lens of cycles and trophic cascades, house ownership is a little more problematic. Everything within this residence is held in stasis for the lifetime of this occupant and potentially their children if the house is passed down. The boundaries of this place are impermeable or, if there is water damage, easily repaired by your local handyman. And whatever the constitutive nutrients housed within these four walls, no natural cycle will ever get the chance to reabsorb them. Compare this to the permeable boundaries present in every ecosystem. A tree stands strong, roots deeply rooted in the soil, canopy reaching towards the sky. This space belongs to the tree now. But hold on, maybe a hundred or years or so, and what is this? Some bird digging into the fibres of the bark, searching for the nutrients, maybe even bugs underneath. And so begins the inexorable processes of tree hollowing. Soon bacteria move into the wound, helping to decompose the once healthy bark into a small and then larger cavity that some bird or critter can now make their home. Things change out here, and with every change, there is destruction, sure, but also the opportunities for the continuance of life for someone or something else. Humans, we are separate. We are disconnected. Where would we even fit into this ecosystem? 
our bodies are soft and easily damaged, we would not live in this place unclothed or without shelter. We eat meat, but we could never do so without cooking it somehow. We cannot photosynthesize our food and our modern food systems have so disfigured what natural nutrition should even look like that we are much more likely to mistake a Big Mac for our nutrient needs, not some berry on a tree we can't even pronounce the scientific name for. All we have is our minds and our minds help us only to change where we live, not coexist in it. Why does everyone else get a niche, an ecosystem role, some cool biophysical properties helping them to exist perfectly in some exact environment and we don't? We're like the fat kid picked last for a soccer team, except that this fat kid then goes on to create his own team of robots who then take over the planet and are we even playing soccer anymore? We dream of and create our own abundances, but these abundances are seen through the lens of our individual and deeply materialistic needs and desires. Bigger house? Yeah. A yacht? Sure. A big jet plane? Oh yeah. And what about the afterlife? An eternity where our every individual hedonistic desire is fulfilled forever? Sounds fair. We should be able to do whatever makes us happy, whatever gets the serotonin and dopamine pumping, since we're all a collection of disconnected individuals composing a deeply disconnected species no matter what we do. But how can the accumulation of any amount of materials or hedonistic pleasures ever feel the whole left from our own total disconnection with natural systems? We know what we are doing is bad. Polluting is wrong. We should definitely recycle, upcycle, repurpose and redesign, drive less, eat more fruit and vegetables and refuse packaging where possible. Always carry your own carry bag. What we don't know is how we could ever be right. What is our place in this great earth metabolism? Are we just locusts bound to consume endlessly without giving back? What are our evolutionary options here? Could we use our big developed brains to steward natural systems since we seem to be outside them regardless? Will a change in our perception as being part of the continuum of nature instead of separate from it restore our happiness? Worth a try, I think.